those blocks from the past? What are those patterns that we need to change from the past? Because first seven years of our lives, we're so influenced by everything around us. We take in everything. There's no critical factor. And the subconscious mind is influenced by that. And we're still making decisions that are based on what our four-year-old subconscious created all those years ago. today is looking at why it's important for people working in river management to bring their whole person to work, the ways that they can do this and what it means to use our head, heart and gut brains. We're chatting with facilitator and coach Belinda Chapman who works with natural resources management organisations where stakeholder engagement is an important but often missing link. Belinda helps people to improve their emotional intelligence skills so that they can use these when dealing with stakeholders, with each other and with the rivers that they care so much about. Belinda has worked in waterways and stormwater management for 20 years. She then made the move to coaching, facilitation and now therapy. We worked together on a session at the Australian Stream Management Conference held a few months ago. In it we talked a lot about our experiences as women in river management and how we believe there's a need for a more diverse leadership style, as well as approaches that recognise the whole person. Let's talk to Belinda now. Well, good morning, Belinda. It's an absolute pleasure to see you there smiling at me at the other end of the screen. I wonder if we'll ever be together in the same room again, but it's lovely having you here. Thank you so much for the invitation, Joanne. I'm so excited to have this conversation with you this morning. It's it's wonderful, yeah. I, I um, wanted first to just acknowledge that I am on Nunawal country this morning at the base of Mount Ainsley, which is a really important women's site for the Nunawal people here in Canberra. And I'm interested to see what country you're from this morning. Well, I'm in the suburb of East Brisbane, in Brisbane. That's Jagera country um, with under the Turbal People's Region. Oh, fantastic. Thank you. <laughs> Um, and yes, we both pay our respects to elders past, present and emerging and acknowledge the incredible connection and wisdom that Aboriginal people have. Yes. So today I wanted to talk with you about the idea of the whole person practitioner, which was something we explored, oh gosh, it must be a couple of months ago now at the Australian Stream yeah. Management Conference. But before I do, can you tell me a bit about your journey from waterway practitioner to now coach and therapist how did that happen what brought that about well pretty early on in my career I moved into team leadership and our team was going through a bit of upheaval and I had the opportunity to take on that role and right from the beginning I loved the people development aspect of it and when I was feeling that ambition to become a team leader I did this um, manager development program and was introduced to the idea of values and um, all of those aspects that make a really good leader and so I was also introduced to coaching and then when I was invited to be one of councils so I was working at Brisbane City Council at the time when I was invited to be one of council's workplace coaches I jumped at the opportunity and that was um spreading the idea of leader as coach throughout the organization and that's where you don't just sit there and answer other people's questions all day you actually help them come up with the solution themselves 
so powerful and empowering for everyone involved. The team leader spends less time answering everyone's questions and they hand that over to their staff to say, you actually have the solutions. So you come to me with the solutions and I'll help you decide which way to go from there. So that, and then I would also on the side of working in my waterway science team, be coaching other leaders within the organization, whether they're in HR or marketing or, you know, there was one of them was the engineer for the story bridge, which was pretty cool. Um, Cause I got to walk on the story bridge. <laughs> um, so I loved, as I said, I love that people development side of things. And then a few years ago, um, all throughout my thirties, I also personally had my own um, fertility issues. And so I decided that I would work with women in there on their fertility journey and I needed more than just coaching. So I also have now hypnotherapy and neuro-linguistic programming and now Reiki under my belt. And it's so powerful. It's a really, really powerful combination. So even when I'm doing workplace coaching through working or coaching and facilitation, I'll acknowledge the fact that sometimes blocks need a bit more than forward thinking coaching. You do have to reflect on what are those blocks from the past? What are those patterns that we need to change from the past? Because those first seven years of our lives, we're so influenced by everything around us. We take in everything. There's no critical factor. So and the subconscious mind is influenced by that. And um, we're still making decisions that are based on what our four-year-old subconscious created all those years ago. I know it's always, um, it's quite hard to believe, isn't it? Just how critical those early years on, um, you know, I've done uh, quite a lot of this personally um, through Mm. through my own psychotherapy, but also um, I've been doing some psychotherapy training at the moment as well. And, and And a lot of that is around the inner child and paying attention to the inner child and how often that can be expressed in your body, um, mm. in your thought patterns, and really in your emotions. Yeah. So I, I'm interested with the idea of the whole person practitioner, which was what you were talking about at the stream management conference. What's the connection? It, you know, because my understanding is that whole means head, heart, and gut. Yes. Can you tell us a bit more about that? Yeah, so it really acknowledges the fact that we don't just have our head brain. We also have a cluster of neurons around our heart. And if you want to understand how big that is, it's about the the, the same number as like a, a lobster or a crayfish have. Hmm. Okay, that's a nice connection. Yes, <laughs> that's right. And then um, there's also a cluster of neurons that makes up the digestive system. And that's about the same size as a cat brain. And we, we call them an intelligence or a brain because they, they learn and they communicate. So there's stories of if you remove a part of the bowel, the parts um, above and below that will take on the role of the part that's being moved, removed. So it can wow. learn. And then there's stories, crazy stories of like a heart transplant and the recipient solving the murder of the person who, like, who was the, the donator um so it just goes to show that you know it stores these these memories as well and and communicates obviously not through words through symbols and um 
you know, those gut feels and, and you hear those sayings like, oh, she wears a heart on her sleeve. Oh, you know, my heart's not in it. So we use these sayings. We acknowledge that we tap into our heart and our gut intuitively anyway. And so by bringing all three of those intelligences as a whole person, we're not just being this purely logical, head-based intellect that misses out on the passion from the heart and the, the risk assessment from the gut or the, the core identity of the gut to go, no, that just doesn't sit right in my gut. And you, we, we digest these ideas. You know, we think about these ideas. That's involving the gut. So it, it ties in so beautifully. And when we bring all of that, our whole person, we're being truly authentic within the workplace. So, so if you can reflect back on when you were a waterway scientist uh, working in a science team, um, was it the brain that was valued more? Uh, and, you know, what, what implications did that have for your team, do you think, and, and really for the decisions that are made? I reflect back and I really think that I struggled to go below the neck. Mm. It was really yeah. interesting. The first time I did the coaching certification that acknowledged all three brains and we did the exercise where we spoke to the heart, I went, oh, hello. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> it was beautiful. It was really, really lovely. I mean, there were times where I intuitively did. You know, um, to even pursue that team leader role, there was a passion there. There was a passion for people development. There was a passion for making connections. And I was tapping into the heart because I was building those relationships. All the 20 years that I was at council, most of the work that I did relied on the fact that I had built a really strong network within the organisation. So I didn't need to rely on that intelligence to know everything because I knew who knew it. Yeah. So that was just a, a natural ability to tap into that. Um, it was maybe sometimes the gut didn't always come online. Maybe there was too much fear in the way and I didn't always mobilise on things. I didn't always act on things. So that's how it can play out as well. And I found that the, the gut can be a really common block with a lot of people um, and, the, and the head will take it over. Mm. The head, I mean, obviously with so many neurons in the head, it can do a lot. Um, but it's just that, that as you're saying, like getting into the body, feeling into the body, and I'll have to often do that with my clients. If I can see they're thinking about it too much and they're being too intellectual about it, I'm like, tap into your heart, go into your gut. What are they saying? And then bam, they move forward. Um. Do you think um, we need different sorts of workplaces to enable that to happen? Different sort of workplaces, I think we're getting them. I think they're finally acknowledging that um, you can't just plonk people in front of a computer, expect them to churn work away for eight, nine hours a day without acknowledging the fact that they have passions outside of work, that... Um, they need to connect with people amongst that. I mean, we've seen that when we're, we've had to work a lot across Zoom. It's become very transactional. You know, you get on, you have your meeting and you get off and you kind of go, oh, 
I miss having that, you know, corridor conversation with that person. There's no just passing conversation. You know, you might have two people that turned up in the meeting room first and they just have a little chat mm. and you build that relationship with them. Um, but I think that is also being acknowledged. And that's what I really loved about that Australian management um, conference was that there were those opportunities to still bump into someone and network with them. It was really cool. Yeah, the technologies so, come on enormously. Um, yeah, I think with, with that particular platform for our listeners, you could actually go and hang out um, virtually in a space and move around and bump into people. And the closer you came to people, um, you were actually able to then sort of, uh, you must have got in their sphere. I don't know how, it's very, very clever. But <laughs> then their faces would pop up and you could have a conversation. It was very cool. <laughs> yeah. So I think we're moving beyond that transactional sort of workplace and leadership to acknowledging that we are whole people in. And I'm hearing more and more of these consultancies going, if you need to work from home to be able to meet your work-life balance, um, then we can offer that to you. Um, so there's, there is a lot of progression in this space, definitely. Yeah, I think COVID in a way has um, actually, in, I mean, it's been awful on so many levels, yeah. but there have been real opportunities for people um, in terms of actually going, well, actually, I can work better at home mm. and it does make me feel calmer and I can still come into work, but I don't have to be there. Like my brother has a one-hour commute on Melbourne trains yeah. uh, and he hasn't had to do that for a year and a half. And yep. he's now feeling very apprehensive about the thought of doing that again, uh, which I can totally understand. Yeah. So given that you, you know, worked with a lot of people now, what differences do they say um, this approach has made to them and their work? Have you seen the results, I guess, of of talking to them about how to do this and, and maybe giving them some guidance. Yeah, well, when we talk about, um, you know, those factors that I spoke about in the paper, so that people-centred presence um, and the ability to set up habits and rituals and routines, um, they become really important aspects of being the best version of themselves. So a lot of people are dealing with a lot of stress and anxiety at the moment and a lot of stress and anxiety is spinning around it's whirring around in their heads and by being able to get into the body tap into the values within their heart and that intuition within their gut they are living more fulfilling lives and there's research that shows that if you are really tapped into your values and live by your values, you will actually feel less stressed because those day-to-day -day mundane hassles become more fulfilling because they're part of you living your life of value, of, of you living a more fulfilling life. So yes, definitely tapping into what it means to know what's important to you um, is so important and it makes a huge difference for people. Yeah, I, I know for myself that um, one of the reasons I set the restoration centre up was because I couldn't find an organisation that would enable me to feel that calm, I think. Um, and, you know, I, I don't always feel calm and serene. I certainly don't do float through life in some transcendental state. No, no one does. <laughs> at all. Um, but I just find, found, you know, having the ability to shape the environment that make, enables you to be your best self. 
And mm. also being able to tap out. Like some days I just can't, I don't think clearly at all, or I just don't feel I'm really present. And I can say, okay, I'm actually just going for the day. Um, yeah. You know, I, I know it's quite, it sounds quite privileged, I think, um, but I have really noticed a lot of my contemporaries, females mainly, um, are leaving workplaces because they're not finding that, um, I guess, ability to be themselves. Mm-hmm. Have you got any thoughts about that or any experiences that you can draw on? Yeah, that's exactly what I did. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I tried to, I'm a big believer that we create our own opportunities. You've got to be open to opportunities that are available or you create your own. Um, That's taking responsibility for yourself. Otherwise, you're in victim mode. When you take responsibility for self in the direction that you want to head and fulfilling your passions, um, I tried to create that within my organisation Um, And when I just kept hitting wall after wall after wall, I was like, okay, it's time for me to create it myself. And I stepped out of the organization and it's been one of the most empowering things I have ever done to have that much faith in myself and invest that much in myself. Of course, you know, I had very supportive family around me and I, I guess I'm privileged for that. But at the same time, I have created that. I hear you say, you know, it sounds quite privileged. You've created that. Mm. You know, you've said, this is what I want and you've followed that dream and you've created it. So that opportunity is available to anyone who has a dream and believes in themselves enough or creates the support network to help them start to get an understanding of, oh, I am worthy. I am enough. I can say actually no that's that's not right for me anymore I don't want that anymore um and you talk with your feet um and those opportunities are there yeah and again you know COVID might actually provide that for more people as well because we can actually demonstrate you can work from home if you're in this sort of sector obviously it's much harder if you're in retail or or a trade but um even then you, you can still create the environment that you want for yourself that enables you to thrive more readily. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so when we're looking at river management yeah. and um, I know that you're doing more sort of therapeutic work one-on-one, but when you were doing coaching with say larger groups, what were some of the common themes that were coming through for people and and what what did they find hard to connect with or was it actually a matter of them just pausing and once they're guided you can connect really easily with this gut and heart brain what what was your experience with that um I think what I was saying before that we are very head centric and what people will find themselves doing is one of the brains might be doing the job of another or they're going about the sequence of tapping into those brains in, I don't like to say the wrong way, but not necessarily the most helpful way. Yeah. So, so is there a recommended sequence or? Really, right we are led by our hearts mm-hmm. because at the end of the day, that's what acknowledges what's most important. That's how we prioritise. 
That's how we identify what we truly value, what we're most passionate about. Um, you know, there are so many stories where someone can get to the top because they thought that that's what they should do. And then they kind of get to the top. They've got everything that they sh that should make them happy. But because really they didn't tap into their heart and check in, is this really what I want? They're not happy. And it's a really, really hard place to turn around and go, but I've got security here. But that's the head brain deciding for the gut brain what security means because the head brain's going, I'm earning really well. I'm, um, I've got good stature, status. Um, you know, when we think about the, the things that can call us stress, we think of the SCARF model. So that's status, certainty. Yeah. We all need certainty, um, autonomy, relatedness. We need to relate to others and fairness. And if any one or two or more of those aren't being met, we're in an away state. So we want to be able to meet those for us to be in a towards state, towards our goals. So when um, there'll be common things that'll come up for people that aren't being met, um, maybe because they've used their head brain to make their decisions because it's what they should do. Um, that's a really, really common one. Or um, they haven't been listening to the gut and are taking risks that aren't logical or um, aren't really prioritised of what's the most important risk to take. They're just taking the risk because it was the first thing that came in, in, in front of them. Mm. Um, so it's about helping them to connect back to those values and those passions, get some creative ideas from the head about how to, um, what's a good solution for that and coming back to the heart, checking does that align with what's important and then down to the gut. How do I move on this? How do I mobilize this? How do I identify this? What does this really like on this deeper level mean for me? And then bringing that back to the heart again. Okay, yep, that's, that's important. Or out of those three ideas, this is the most important. Does that make sense? Yeah, look, it does make sense. And I think one of one of the things I really find, you know, working in Canberra with a lot of government organisations is that the appetite for risk is so low at the moment. Uh, and it actually stifles so much creativity. And yeah. uh, I often find, because I do quite a lot of facilitation work, um, I have people saying, I want to know exactly what questions you're going to be asking. And I'm sort of saying, look, I can just assure you that it will have a good feel. I will know what to ask at the time. Yes, but no, yes. I want it all written down. I want to know exactly mm. what's going to happen. And I keep saying, look, I don't script. I just don't, no. don't script. Yeah. And, I, and I think there's that real, um, we, we so want certainty. Yeah. But really, and as someone, you know, has, has suffers from anxiety, I so want certainty. But what I've come to learn with over the years is that the only thing certain is uncertainty. Very much so. <laughs> so what, what do you say to people who, you know, want some want, want to have, have that alleviated? What is it that can, what is certain, I guess, in an uncertain world? Well, I'm sure you've heard the acronym VUCA. No, tell me. So VUCA stands for volatile, <laughs> uncertain, chaotic and can you I just can never remember the a but you'll find it it's <laughs> yeah. along those lines yeah um and that's the world that we're living in now 
So as you say, the only thing that we can be certain about is that there is uncertainty. And so um, when I'm working with people who need that certainty, it's about helping them to first feel within themselves that they can be confident and comfortable and content and calm in their own beings. Um, it's one of my, it's, I think why I moved, and I, I missed this right at the beginning when you asked about why I moved into coaching. Working in environmental science, I learned pretty early on that not everyone cares about it. Mm, yeah, and that's really hard, isn't it? Because when you yeah. care so much, you go, how can you not get this? How can you not care? Yeah. yeah. And so I kind of, for me, I then went, okay, I need to work with people mm. so that I can help people to get out of their own head and look beyond them to the world around them. And when we think of things like Maslow's law of, um, sorry, pyramid of needs, yep. people can only look externally once they've met their own internal needs. And if one of those internal needs is certainty, that has to come from within first. So that might be some therapy or some coaching to clear some of early trauma that they may not even know existed and they don't need to know the content of that trauma. They're like so many of us on some different level, because as a four-year-old, something was traumatic that, you know, 34-year-olds like, that's nothing, but that is still within the body. And so we might have this anxiety because there's just been this life of these small T traumas that we haven't completed the stress cycle on. We're still stressed about, but until we get that calm from within, all of the external uncertainty is going to be too much. And so how can we even care about the environment around us if we're so internally stressed, we can't look out, we can't look beyond. Mm -hmm. So we've either got that scenario or we've got people who are dissociated from their own internal trauma. So they're so focused on the rest of the world, on the environment, and they care more about that than they care about themselves, that they burn out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I look I, I looked up VUCA very quickly then. It's ambiguity is the number. Yes, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> number A, she says letter A. Um, yeah, look, that, that really resonates uh, because I think that in, in coping and doing the busy work, like there's some sort of status around how busy you are these days, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it, it actually does mean that you can often... I think for some people it's self-preservation that they do that dissociation to a certain extent. Yes, totally. Ultimately, it, it comes back and bites you and bites you hard. Yes. So if, if you're in the workplace and you're actually feeling pretty good but you know someone else is probably doing it a bit tougher and I've been um, I'm coaching someone at the moment and we're talking about what's it going to be like going back into the office and, mm. you know, my friend was saying to me, I'm actually really quite worried about it I haven't been in an office for the year and a half yeah uh, some people are really scared about coming into the office mm. some people aren't what sort of advice would you have as people are emerging from COVID 
uh, it might be an opportunity perhaps to connect with this whole person idea or, or person-centered oh, approach. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. The highest expression of the heart is compassion. And so having compassion for others is the purest expression of your heart that you can bring. Um, and that can look like empathy for someone. So empathy is described when you're sitting with that person, you're not trying to fix them, you're not saying to them, oh, at least you're, you've got a job. That's, that's sympathy, that's not helpful. The empathy is when you're bringing a level of understanding, even if you haven't personally experienced it, you can still bring empathy and compassion to that person. Every human experiences suffering in some way, shape or form in their life. So we can all be connected by the pure fact that everyone has experienced some form of suffering. Everyone has their own thing going on. So some kindness and compassion is so important to bring to this scenario and understanding. We check the ego at the door. We're all in this together. It's a human experience to acknowledge someone else's suffering even if you even if it makes you really really uncomfortable I can totally appreciate that Australians are atrocious at vulnerability (laughs) yes well it's just not the done thing don't you know (laughs) I know and it's really hard it's really 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 hard it's quite confronting Um, and it's it's something I've had to learn like I'm in my 40s now and if you tried to you know make me sit with someone's discomfort in my 20s I would have run as far as as fast as my legs could take me Um, but as you know from being a facilitator you have to sit with people's discomfort and it's the best way to move forward because if you run from it it's never you're never going to progress forwards if you damage that person by you know bringing sympathy rather than empathy or ego rather than compassion then you're not going to be building that relationship that means you're going to have a good um, working relationship going forwards so that's my biggest advice is bring that compassion that kindness and that understanding that everyone on some level whether it's the same as yours or not has had some form of suffering and to understand that and just sit with that and not try and fix them Mm. Mm. yeah the, the the quick fix thing is is often it's that whole rescuing I will be there I will rescue when often people don't want rescuing they just want someone to listen yes uh, and, yeah that's right you know the, the listening I often say you know the best relationships are those that you use um or you connect with through your ears which is you actually listen rather than telling uh which yeah it it can be so sometimes true. difficult uh when you're a consultant because obviously part of my life is consulting because people come with you, come to you because they want you to tell you what yeah. to do. Tell them, tell them what to do. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that, that's where I try and tap into the coaching training to go. Yeah. Well, you might actually have the answer rather than me yeah. having the answer. Yeah, uh, that's it's right. a lot more powerful. Yeah. 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 So as we come to a close, then I'm I'm thinking about leaving our listeners with something really nice that they can do for themselves in terms of tapping into their gut and their heart and their brain. I mean, obviously the brain is still very important. We're not yeah. saying dismiss it. <laughs> what's, what's something that people could do to give them that little gift of insight, if you like? It might just be a moment, but uh, what, what would you recommend? 
There's some, there's a technique that I learned many, many years ago. And I have to admit, when I first heard it, I was like, oh, that I, I don't understand that because it means having a vocabulary around emotions. But there is, you can, Brené Brown has a 30 top emotions, you know, to help you get yeah. beyond mad, sad, glad. But yeah. even if you, <laughs> even if you tap into those basic three, um, Dan Siegel has the, the hand model of the brain that right. is a really, really cool way to understand how you work when you're stressed. So if we think about the hand and this is the brain stem and this is the limbic system, the amygdala. So for those listening, we can see. Um, oh, yes, of course. Yes. Turning <laughs> <laughs> We're doing a podcast. So I'm just saying, so Belinda's holding her hand up and all the fingers are then splayed. And then yes. moving the thumb across, and that's the amygdala in the brain. Yep. That's right. That's right. And it's um, when the fingers are up, you're working from the limbic system, the emotional center of the brain. Yep. And then we fold down the fingers and the prefrontal cortex, the smart brain, is where we're working from. And that's as if that's your forehead. Mm. And the, the limbic system at the back and the stem is at the back of your skull. So when we think of this and we're working, we're just going about our day, we're making smart decisions, we're, we're tapped into our whole person, we're living by our values, our intuition, our smart brain, um, that prefrontal cortex is online. But when we run out of those coping mechanisms or we hit a really stressful trigger, maybe our values are challenged, mm. we can what's called flip the lid. And that's where the fingers, the prefrontal cortex comes offline and we're acting from the amygdala, the limbic system, the emotional center. Mm. It's natural, right? This is our fight or flight. Mm. This is when we go, ah, can't handle this. (laughs) But when you're in that situation, if you name the actual emotion that you are feeling, it might start with, oh, I'm so angry. But behind that might be something else. It might be embarrassment. It might be guilt. It might be shame. It might be fear. It might be hurt. If you identify the real emotion that you're feeling behind that stress, neuro, calming neurotransmitters are actually sent from the prefrontal cortex to that center, calm it down, and it brings the smart brain back online. So, so as Belinda's speaking here, I can see her hand being almost cushioned or cocooning the thumb, and then you get your, ah, and the, the fingers go up, and then as you acknowledge those emotions, the, thin, the fingers curl back down again. It's a really nice way. It's sort of, sort of like... A hugging of the thumb at, at representing mm. the emotions and recognizing that that inside that cortex those those um, emotions are always there uh, mm. and we often you know get so busy that we we don't listen to them until we get the ah moment yeah, yeah. and it's phenomenal I've practiced this myself mm. when I and I you know you can't just think positive it doesn't work no You've got to go, what am I really feeling in this moment? And it might mean taking yourself off to the bathroom for a couple of minutes, giving yourself that space, going to a quiet room, whatever it is, maybe you just need to pause, breathe, step away from it. And you might kind of go, I don't want to feel hurt. I don't want to feel um, shame. Of course you don't. 
But if you acknowledge it, trust me, it will dissipate. It will be calmed and you will move back into being able to think more clearly and bring that smart brain back online. Fantastic. I like that, Jip. I, I like the idea of people just going off quietly and uh, looking at the hand and reminding yeah. themselves of their amygdala and, and being cushioned. The other thing I sometimes do, and I didn't even realise that this was connecting with the, the head, gut and um, heart, is that if you put your hand sort of just at where the solar plexus sort of is and then your mm. hand on your heart, that also really brings down that um, nervous system so that you can start yeah. to feel more grounded. Yeah. What's been terrific talking to you today. I hope that our listeners are able to take on board a few of the things we've discussed and see that looking after our whole self is incredibly important. So thank you, Belinda. Uh, We'll put the details of Belinda's um, organisation, Working Wheel, uh, on the website with the podcast and please share with as many people as you would like. Thank you. Thank you so much. I loved being able to express my passions. (laughs) That's fantastic. Thanks, Melinda. Okay, see you next time.